This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like for you to go with me, if you would, please, uh, to the gospel according to Mark, the gospel according to Mark, and find, please, chapter number one, the gospel according to Mark, chapter number one, and we'll begin reading in verse number 21, Mark chapter one and verse number 21. The Bible tells us, and they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John, Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And at even, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of divers' diseases, and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. I want you to notice what the Bible tells us in verse number 21. On the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. And the disciples, of course, that he had called to himself in verses 16 through 20, the Bible says in verse 21, they went 
into Capernaum. They were with him. And it was the Sabbath day. And as was the habit of the Lord Jesus Christ, on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue and he taught. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject with Jesus on the Sabbath day. With Jesus on the Sabbath day. This was the day that the Jews worshiped God. Of course, we as believers, as Christians, we come together on the first day of the week. We call it the Lord's Day. And as Jesus and the Jews who were in Capernaum and Galilee gathered together in the synagogue to worship God, to hear the word of God read, and to hear the word of God taught, so too God's people on the Lord's Day gather together to worship God, to hear the reading of the word of God, and the teaching of God's word. And the disciples are with him here on the Sabbath day. The synagogue, the word synagogue is a Greek word. It literally means assembly. By the way, that's what the church is. It is a called out assembly. And so this word synagogue refers to an assembly. And it was for the Jews the the center of their life in the villages and in the cities in which they lived. Uh, they would gather together in the synagogue, of course, on the Sabbath to worship God, to hear the Bible read and taught. It also served as the primary place where their children would be educated, and it served as a place where important decisions and rulings were made in the synagogue. And as the Lord Jesus came to them in the synagogue to teach, he came as one, the Bible said, who had authority. Now, as we have studied the previous 20 verses, we see that the Lord Jesus, when he came to them, he came to them with many infallible proofs concerning who it was that he was. For example, we see uh, that uh, Mark announces him in verse number one as Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And we see through uh, this passage of Scripture and through this chapter the evidences and the proofs concerning his deity as they have been laid out for us. For example, in chapter one, verses two through eight, we see that through the ministry and the preaching of John the Baptist, who was, of course, the forerunner, according to the Old Testament prophecies in which he fulfilled. He has prepared the way of the Lord. The ministry and the preaching of John the Baptist gave testimony that Jesus was the Son of God. Remember the words of John when he saw the Lord Jesus coming to him to be baptized? He said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And then as he was baptized, we saw the witness of heaven in verses 9 through 11. That witness was twofold. First of all, it was visible. In verse number 10, he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. There was a visible witness from heaven. And then in verse number 11, there was a verbal witness from heaven. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Never had such a thing occurred 
and it gives evidence to all who see it that Jesus is the Son of God. Then, thirdly, there was the victory of Christ over Satan in the wilderness. When Jesus defeated him as he tried to tempt the Lord Jesus. And then in verses 14 and 15, there was the preaching of Jesus concerning the gospel of the kingdom. And then in verses 16 through 20, we see the response of the disciples who forsook all and followed him. And so as we followed through, Mark is making a very convincing, compelling case that Jesus is the son of God. And now here he comes into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And I want you to note three things we find here. And uh, I trust that God will use them. And I want you to see yourself with the disciples accompanying Jesus as he enters into the synagogue and as he is invited to teach and as he begins to teach the very author of the scriptures is going to read them. Nobody can read them like he read them. And then he's going to teach them to the people. And we get to sit in on it thanks to the writings of Mark. Let's look at it together. Beginning in verse number 22, as we note his message, his message. The Bible says in verse number 22, and they were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. As we think about his message, I want you to see, first of all, the clarity of it. The clarity of his message. The Bible tells us here that he did not teach as the scribes. The primary teachers of the day were the scribes. And of course, they would gather in the, in the synagogues and they would teach the people the word of God. The day was a little different. The economic situation was a little different. Uh, not every person had the wherewithal and the means to have a copy of the scriptures. In fact, it was very common that the only copy of the scriptures would have uh, been in the possession of the scribe. And so the people did not have the word of God as readily available to them as we today have the word of God so readily available to us. What a privilege it is that we have the Bible. All of us possess a copy of the scripture. And if you don't possess a copy of the scripture, you'll find a Bible there in front of you. And if you'd like to have a copy of the Bible, we'll make sure that that happens. What a day in which we live when we all have access to the word of God. But in that day, that wasn't the case. And so here the scribe has come to teach. He has a copy of God's word. And um, the scribe in that day held a revered position. In fact, the term rabbi means honored one. And the teachers of the day were given the title rabbi. But a commentator tells us concerning the nature of the teaching of the scribes in the day of Jesus. And he goes on by explaining it this way. Rather than faithfully explaining the simple meaning of the scripture, they, that is the scribes, delighted in complex musings, fanciful allegories, obscure insights, 
mystical notions and the teaching of earlier rabbis. It wasn't uncommon for the, uh, for the rabbis, the scribes, to spend much of the time teaching the Bible, laying out all of the various interpretations that the previous rabbis had espoused to. It wasn't uncommon for them to speculate about what the scripture really meant. And in all of this speculation, in all of this musing, and, and all of this introduction of extra material outside of the Bible, rather than making the message clear and plain, they confused the, the people. They confused them. Perhaps in an effort to uh, build up their own uh, position as a scholarly teacher. Uh, perhaps in, in an effort to appease the educators or the philosophers or the scientists of the day. They introduced all of this extra biblical uh, material into their teaching and, and when Jesus came and taught, here's what he taught. He taught the message of the scriptures and he taught it in a way that it was abundantly clear what it was that he had to say. Jesus did not need the needs or did not need the opinions of the past rabbis because he was the author himself. He didn't need the speculation and the musing. He just simply stated what the Bible said. By the way, that is the job of the preacher to communicate what God has said. The songwriter said it this way, sinners Jesus will receive. Sound this word of grace to all who the heavenly pathway leave, all who linger, all who fall. Sing it o'er and o'er again. Christ receiveth sinful men. Make the message clear and plain. Christ receiveth sinful men. Come and he will give you rest. Trust him for his word is plain. He will take the sinfulest. Christ receiveth sinful men. You see, there's no need to embellish the message. There's, there's no need to try to sugarcoat it. There, there's no need to try to uh, take the message and, and mold it with the philosophy and the thought of the culture to make it more palatable. There's no reason to, to tone it down so that you like it better. No, the Lord Jesus simply came and delivered the message of the Bible. And when they heard it, the Bible says he taught them as one that had authority. It was clear and it was plain. We see the clarity of his message. But then we see, secondly, the, the conviction of his message. Because not only was it clear, it was powerfully convicting. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 22. And they were astonished at his doctrine. They'd never heard a teacher like this. They'd never heard a message quite like his. And when he preached the truth of God's word, they were astonished. The word astonished literally means to be smitten by a blow. I can remember hearing some messages in my life where the preacher preached it plain and straight in the power of the Holy Ghost. And let me tell you how it felt to me. It felt like a gut punch. 
You know what I'm talking about? Like I had just been confronted with the truth and the truth exposed my error. It exposed uh, the, the correct way in which I ought to be living or thinking or behaving. I was confronted with the truth and I was convicted by the truth and it was not necessarily a pleasant experience. It was a sobering experience that shook me to my core. That's called Holy Ghost conviction. And when Jesus taught, he taught with Holy Ghost power and Holy Ghost conviction. And these people, as they listen to the message of Jesus, they're stunned. They're convicted. And then that leads us to the next thought concerning his message. And not only do we see the clarity of his message and the conviction of his message, but then we see the confrontation of his message. You see, when light comes into the darkness, there is a, there's a confrontation and darkness is all abounding and all around us. And we see it in verse number 23. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out. The word cried here simply means he screamed. He shouted with a strong emotion. This cry was like a shriek with intense agony. It was the kind of thing that would have pierced a crowd like this. Just hearing it would have disturbed all of us. It would have been more than just a disruption, although it was a disruption. It would have been a disturbing disruption. You see, here sat this man in the congregation, in the synagogue, completely comfortable with the teaching of the scribes, but confronted by the truth when he heard Jesus. And he couldn't take it. And he screamed out. You see, Van had no idea what I was preaching this morning, but when those people came to the service at Lighthouse several years ago, and they objected, and then they began to hand out cards to say, if you want to know the truth, come to us. Let me tell you who inspired those people. Let me tell you who empowered those people. It was the same demonic spirit that empowered this man. You see, the devil is not uncomfortable with religion. The devil is uncomfortable with Jesus. He can handle religion, but he can't handle Jesus. And notice what they say, this demon, as it, as it cries out, as it inhabits and dwells this man, in verse 24, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Remember, the term Nazareth, the fact that he was identified with Nazareth, that wasn't necessarily a good thing as far as the Jews when they expressed that. It was a contemptible thing. And here we see contempt on the behalf of these demons toward Jesus when they said, Thou Jesus of Nazareth, art thou come to destroy us? I know who, the, uh, who thou, who thee, I, excuse me, I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. He said, in a contemptible way, you're Jesus of Nazareth, but in a way of confession, he had to say, I know who you are, you're the Holy One of God. 
these demons recognized him for who he was. The demonic spirits, when confronted with him, they knew him. Oh, listen, friend, they knew him before Adam was created. They knew him because they were part of that angelic host that rebelled with Satan and fell from heaven. Oh, they knew him. And they knew him unmistakably. And when they heard him speak, they were shaken to their core with fear. Notice what they said. The Bible says, Art thou come to destroy us? I want you to look at Mark chapter 3 and verse number 11. Here we find what the Bible says concerning these unclean spirits. Look in verse 10, for he had healed many insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him as many as had plagues. And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. Then in chapter 5 and verse number 7, we read of the demoniac man. In verse 6, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Let's look at one final passage, Matthew chapter number 8 and verse number 28. We have another record of this incident where the Lord Jesus confronts a man possessed with devils. The Bible said, and when he was coming to the other side of the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fear so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out saying, what have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them a herd of swine feeding. So the, de the devils besought him saying, if thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. They did not want to be cast into the deep. They wanted to be cast into the herd of swine. You see, when those demons were confronted with the person of Jesus Christ, here's what they were afraid of. They were afraid that he had come to imprison them and to put them in the deep, that he was coming to torment them before the time he was coming to put them in hell. And they're rebelling, they're crying out with all they have. And in the midst of this synagogue service, if you would, while the very Son of God is preaching, the demons of hell are crying out and acknowledging in fear who Jesus was. Now it's a pretty amazing thing that a group of demons who never have any hope of redemption are willing to readily acknowledge who Jesus is. While a group of men and women who sat in the synagogue and had every opportunity to be redeemed 
would not acknowledge who Jesus was. And we live in a world today. They have the Bible available to them. We live in a nation that has had a Christian influence. There is enough truth in this land. As Jesus would say of Capernaum, if the works that were done in thee had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have long since repented. I want to tell you there's been enough work of God done in our lives, in our lifetime, in our church to point us to Jesus and reveal to us who he is. Yet many week in and week out sat with folded arms and hard hearts and refused to acknowledge who Jesus is and refuse to come to him. The Bible tells us in verse number 28, immediately his fame spread abroad. The amazement of the people would prove to be uh, a curiosity, but it would not prove to be a saving faith. You see, let me, let me explain what happened. Verse 25, and Jesus rebuked him, saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him and they were all amazed. Insomuch that they questioned among themselves saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits and they do obey him. You see, they were firsthand witnesses. They saw him and his power as he taught them. As he convicted their hearts, as he spoke to them with clarity as he confronted the devils and he commanded them and they departed out of this man's body. They said, what in the world is going on? And they were amazed. You see, they were curious. They were entertained. But they weren't believing this crowd. His message was a message of clarity and conviction and confrontation. And by the way, that's what his message remains today. A message of clarity, conviction, and confrontation. I want you to note secondly, not only his message, but I want you to see his ministry. The Bible tells us that after They had departed from the synagogue, verse 29. They entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. And Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever and anon they tell him of her. They came to him, they said, Simon's mother-in-law is sick. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and immediately the fever left her and she ministered unto them. You see, this woman had a fever. She had a condition, an ailment, a sickness. And the Lord Jesus touched and healed her. And when he healed her, she didn't have a recovery period. She, she didn't have to get a rest and drink some chicken soup. She didn't have to get a prescription. He made her whole. And the Bible tells us that she ministered unto them out of love and devotion to Christ, the one who had healed her. 
she ministered to him and to those in the house. And at even, when the sun did set, verse 32, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door and he healed many that were sick of divers diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. You see, here we see the ministry of Jesus and his ministry is on behalf of the people. Remember, Mark portrays him as the servant. And here is the Son of God serving humanity. He is ministering to them. He is moved with compassion for them. And he is willing to touch them and to commune with them and to heal them of their diseases and deliver them from demonic possession. He ministered to them. And Andrew and Peter and James and John, they're watching all of this happen. And the Lord has called them to minister alongside of him. In fact, notice what the Bible says here. Uh, in verse, uh, let's find it here. Verse 32, and at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased. Can I tell you that all that were diseased would not have been healed that day? had somebody not brought them to Jesus. They brought them. I wonder how many days, how many Sundays go by, how many Sunday nights go by, how many Wednesday nights go by where we hear the preaching of the Bible. We say, I agree with that. You know, that, that, that song, that choir did great. Um, God met with us today. And, and we just go through the motions without ever thinking about bringing somebody to Jesus. The Bible said they brought them unto him. Do you know how they did it? I'm gonna tell you how. They left out of that synagogue and they said, you should have seen what we saw. He, he delivered a demon-possessed man. He commanded the spirits to leave that guy. Oh, you wouldn't believe the change he made. And you should have seen the look on the face of the scribes. And then they said, and later after, after church was over, he went to the house of Peter. And you know Peter's mother-in-law. And you know how sick she's been. You know what they said he did? He just touched her and told her to rise up. And he healed her. And it was. It wasn't long before she was serving them. You should have seen what he did. And maybe they called her and got a hold of her. And I don't know her name. Let's say her name was Agnes. I don't know. She might not be happy with calling me Agnes. But she said, Agnes, is it true what they say? Oh, yes, it's true. He touched me and I'm healed. Well, have you called the doctor? No, I don't need to. I'm healed. And the word started getting out. And they said, I know somebody who's sick. I know somebody who's, I don't know exactly what's going on with them, but they might be vexed by a devil. I'm gonna get them to Jesus. And they did. 
And the Bible said they got the whole city to the door. Do you know what we ought to be doing? We ought to get the whole city to the door. Boy, that Conquer Club, let me tell you, I mean, I'm telling you what, I'm tired. I've worked hard all day Wednesday. Now I gotta go come put up with these kids. I don't know if I can handle that. Hey, we gotta get the whole city to the door. You know, Brother Odom harps on this Tuesday night thing and this, this mission to, uh, what's it called? Greater Hickory Mission. And what, what's this, this thing about going down to this community fair and, and all of this? I'll tell you what it's about. It's about bringing people to Jesus. And you know why we don't do it? Because we've forgotten what he's done for us. Or we've just gotten so used to it. It doesn't faze us anymore. You see, his message on the Sabbath, his ministry on the Sabbath. Then I want you to note lastly, his mission. His mission. Notice in verse number 35, Mark chapter one, in the morning rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him and when they had found him, they said unto him, all men seek for thee. And he said unto them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. I don't think that was the message that Peter thought he would hear. In fact, that's not what Peter was advocating, I don't believe. I believe if we understand what is happening in the, in the narrative and in the text, we understand that the crowd is beginning to see the power of Jesus and they've gotten everybody in the city to the door. And I mean, they're all now going to talk about what he's done for them and surely they're going to make him king. Surely. And in the, in the height of this popularity and, and this approval of the people, Jesus goes to a solitary place. And what does he do? He gets alone with God and he prays. Because it's not the approval of the people. And it's not the suggestion of the people that he sought. It was the approval of his Father and the direction of the Holy Spirit. And we see in the Lord Jesus a tremendous habit here to go into the synagogue on the Sabbath and then to pray. Privately, to express to his father his total dependence upon him and his dependence upon the Holy Spirit. And while Peter and the disciples think this thing is great, these people are happy to follow him. Jesus knows something that they don't know. Has it ever occurred to you that Jesus knows something that you don't know? What he knows is that many of these people are just following him for the show. Like the crowd that followed him for the bread after he fed the 5,000. The Bible tells us in the gospel according to John that many believed on him, but Jesus did not commit himself to them. Because the Bible says he knew what was in man. What's in man? A curiosity. What's in man? An appetite of the flesh. We like to see these shows. 
But will we acknowledge Jesus for who he is and come to faith in him and make him the Lord of our lives? That's the question. And Jesus helps his disciples here understand the true nature of the mission. It's not to have a crowd. It's to preach the gospel. It's not just to have a group of followers. It is to have a group of converts. And so he says, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. You see, that's his purpose. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's the purpose. That's the mission of Jesus. And notice what the Bible tells us in verse 39. And he preached in their synagogues. What synagogues? The synagogues in the next towns. Throughout all Galilee. And he cast out devils. You say, what did he do when he got to where he was going? He did the same thing he did when he got to Capernaum. He delivered his message. He ministered to the people. And he stayed on mission. May God help us. As we walk with him. As we serve him. As we follow him. To be faithful to his message. To labor together to complete his ministry and make sure that we endeavor together to fulfill his mission. That's what God's called us to do. That's what this church is all about. That's why Mark bothered to record this for us. So that today we could hear it. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. You're curious about him. You know, you're interested but you haven't made him the Lord of your life, I want to encourage you today, friend, before it's eternally too late, put your faith and trust in Jesus. Repent of your sin and look to him and let him save you. And dear Christian friend, may God help us to be about his business and bring people to Jesus. May God help Tabernacle Baptist Church to bring this city to the door. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.